Hey, what's up everybody? My name is DJ Martin, church pastor here at Parker Ford Church. Whether you're a member at Parker Ford or just joining us online, we're so glad to have you with us today as we continue and actually wrap up our midweek teaching series that we've been in all year on reflections on spiritual formation. For the past three weeks and then this week, we've been doing a little mini-series within that about being children of God because Right at the core, at the very foundation of what it means to be formed into the image of Christ is this concept of living and becoming uh, children of God and living that out as our primary identity in Christ. We uh, have been looking at these different contrasts between a spirit of an orphan and the spirit of sonship from the book Spiritual Slavery to Spiritual Sonship written by Jack Frost. Each week we've been tackling about five of these principles. So if you're joining us today and have not watched the first three parts of this teaching or listened to it on our podcast, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to parts one, two, and three before jumping into our conclusion here in part four. Each week I'm also starting with a key scripture that talks about us and our identity in Christ as children of the living God, being adopted as sons and daughters of God. Today, the passage comes from Luke 6. This is Luke's telling of, the, of parts of the Sermon on the Mount. It's Luke's telling of the Lord's Prayer. And as Luke tells, uh, tells it in his gospel, it's, it says in Luke chapter 6, verse 1, One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And then Luke gives his recorded version of the Lord's Prayer, which is also found in Matthew chapter 6 and the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus uh, apparently thinks this is a good request. It's a good question that his disciple asks him because he responds then with this prayer. So the disciple says, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus said to them in verse 2, when you pray, pray like this. Say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. You probably know the Lord's Prayer and have heard it many times, but what I want to point out here right at the beginning of our teaching today is, is just this, this simple word. Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. This is how you are to pray. And then what's the first word he uses? He says, Father. Or in Matthew's telling of the Lord's Prayer, it, it's our Father. Our Father, our Abba, our spiritual uh, Father, our Dad, the one who created us and has adopted us. And so Jesus himself taught his disciples and by extension taught us how to pray, how to communicate, how to speak to God. And it begins, it starts with this word, knowing that God is Father. I don't know if this is encouraging to you today. I hope it is. It's, it's a revelation of the very character of God and the way that we are meant to interact with him. When you pray, when you talk to God, you speak to him as a child to a father. Father, hallowed be your name. Your name is holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All right, so moving into the last five principles of these different principles of, of living life in Christ, um, moving away from a posture and a spirit of orphanhood into a posture of sonship, of knowing God as sons and daughters. Frost writes about the sense of God's presence. He says, for orphans, God's presence, if they sense it at all, is conditional and distant. If everything goes all right, if they have a good day, if they feel they've appeased the master, if they think they have dotted all their I's and crossed all their T's, then and only then may they, they might sense God's 
presence. So it's a striving. It's a posture of striving. You got to do all these right things in order to feel like God loves me. Sons, however, enjoy the close and intimate presence of God because they know his presence and nearness do not depend on their behavior. They have discovered that he is with them all the time, no matter how much they get off center of his love. What Frost is not saying is that our obedience doesn't matter. In fact, that sits at the very you know, core of, of the Great Commission that Jesus gives us through his disciples. Go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. Jesus says at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, if you hear my teaching and you don't put it into practice, you don't obey it, you're like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And so obedience is, is key, but our identity as sons and daughters is not dependent on our obedience. And, and a great example of this is just biological children or adopted children for that matter. I, ha- I have four kids myself, and um, at the end of the day, I don't call them my beloved children based on how good they did that day. They're they're my kids. It is who they are, and there's nothing that they can do to change that. I'm going to love them whether I'm disappointed in a specific way that they handled the situation or not. I'm going to love them unconditionally because I'm their dad, and they're my kids. And it's the same way with God. My sons, I've got three sons and, I've, uh, and I have a daughter. My sons and my daughter could no sooner earn my love than they could jump over the moon. It is what it is. They're my kids, so I love them. However, I want them to grow in maturity. I want them to obey, you know, the things that I'm teaching them. And so it's not that obedience isn't important. It's just that love is not prefaced uh, upon that obedience. And so often we confuse that in the spiritual life. We, we miss that truth that God's love his unconditional love is because we've been adopted through Christ and our primary identity with him is now that we are children. We are his sons and daughters. And so just as I look at my children, only infinitely greater and unerring and unfailing is his love towards us because we are his children. All right, how about the condition, um, the condition that we live in? Orphans Frost writes, are in bondage. They are slaves to their fear, their mistrust, their independence and self-reliance, their sense of self-righteousness, and most of all, they're in bondage to their loneliness. Sons, however, live in the condition of liberty. Love has set them free from fear, from shame, humiliation, guilt, and a constant need to prove themselves. Have you been set free? Jesus said that he came to bring us life and life abundant. He sets us free from fear uh, of sin, of death, a, a fear of ourselves, fear from others to live a life of abundance. So as a son, as a daughter of God, have you experienced the freedom, the liberty um, that Christ desires for you in your life? All right, how about our position? Orphans live life as if they don't have a home. They feel like servants or slaves. Sons are at rest and at peace in the safe harbor of their father's love. Outside the harbor, the sea may churn and the wind may blow, but inside all is calm and father's embrace. This is related to some other stuff that Frost has written about that we've already looked at, about like God's presence and that sort of thing. But, but a son or a daughter of God has the ability to be at rest, to experience the shalom, the peace of God, no matter what's going on. Because even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even there we know that you are with me. Surely goodness will follow after me, will pursue me all the days of my life. David wrote that before Christ. How much more so should we live in that truth 
who know and experience Christ through his Holy Spirit, through his death and resurrection and ascension and victory. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, and we are his children. Vision. Orphans are fired by spiritual ambition. They earnestly desire some spiritual achievement or distinction and are willing to strive to achieve it. Um, I, I would push back against this one a little bit. I don't think he's wrong. I just don't think it's nuanced enough because I think that um, sometimes, you know, there's the other end of the spectrum where a spiritual orphan might just be extremely lazy <laughs> and, and not have any kind of ambition at all. And neither of those extremes are healthy. Neither, neither laziness, a total lack of ambition, or unchecked spiritual ambition where you're just trying to achieve and distinguish yourself above your peers. Neither of those things are a healthy way to live, nor the way that God calls his children to live. Sons, uh, he says, with sons there's no proving, no striving after position, power, or prestige. Instead, they're content simply to experience daily their father's unconditional love and acceptance and then be sent as a representative or an ambassador of his love. And lastly, the last thing he writes about is the future. For orphans, the future, like many other things in life, is always uncertain. Their attitude is fight for everything you can get. Sons are willing to wait for their inheritance because they know that their future is as bright as it is certain. As sons of a loving father with infinite resources, they know they cannot lose and are willing to suffer now for the glory that lies ahead. I love how he puts those things together. He says that they, they know that they cannot lose but are willing to suffer now for the glory that lies ahead. We're, we're finite individuals, and our sight is so short-sighted and so short-term. And the more that we can recognize that, the, the healthier I think we can be in understanding that we don't know the beginning from the end other than what the Lord has chosen to reveal. And so there's these two things that he puts together here that, that on one hand we can't lose because we've been adopted with Christ. And, you know, as it says in the climactic, passage in Romans 8, uh, what shall separate us from the love of God? Death or tribulation, angels or demons? No, there's nothing that can separate us from God's love. And so we can't lose in that sense. However, we're also going to suffer. I mean, Jesus promised, any, anyone who tells you that if you're a Christian, um, you know, you, you don't, you're not going to suffer and Jesus is going to going to protect you from all suffering, isn't listening to what Jesus says or certainly what the disciples said or, or what the apostles said or any of church history because throughout all of church history, back to the very time of Christ, Christ himself, all people who put their hope in Christ on one level or, or another have experienced tribulation, experienced suffering. It's a guarantee of following after Christ. However, we can rest assured and be confident in our future inheritance in Christ because of our position as sons and daughters, having been adopted through the blood of Christ, having been indwelled by the Spirit of God, we can be sure and confident of what God has for us. And so as we walk through trials, as we walk through difficult things, we know that God is waiting for us on the other side and, and beckoning us uh, through those things and in fact walking with us. So as you reflect on these principles today, I'm going to invite you to wrestle through these questions. How do you view God's presence? Do you experience his nearness and favor as a condition of your success? Or do you experience his nearness and favor just as a condition of your, your position as, a, as his son or daughter? Speaking of positions, what is your position with God? Are you near or are you far? Do you know that you are welcome in his presence? In multiple places, it says we are to enter boldly 
into his presence. There's a the famous passage in Hebrews that talks about the curtain being torn in the temple. And because the, the curtain between the, the holy place and the holy of holies has been torn, um, has been torn into, we enter boldly into the very holy of holy presence of God. And finally, in what ways might Jesus be inviting you to move from an orphan posture towards one of sonship? I hope that these principles that we've been looking at over the last four weeks have been helpful, encouraging, convicting, challenging. I'm praying that you continue to grow in your understanding that at the very core of who you're meant to be sits this simple identity that you are a daughter, you're a son of the living God, and he loves you. And when you pray, when you speak to him, remember that it starts with this, our Father. Have a great day. Go with God. Be blessed.